Another edition of the Metrospective, Pete McCarthy with Tim Britton. And Tim, we're closing in on opening day later this week. And as far as the Mets go, I, I guess it's just, uh, it, it's almost a rite of passage, I, I guess, even though he's only on a two-year contract. But Jed Lowry is on the injured list, and you start to get the feeling that we might never again see Jed Lowry play for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, it seems possible at this point, given what he's been through in the last year and a half since, since what, February 14th or 15th of, of 2019, when he had a little bit of discomfort in that, that left knee. Uh, that the the rest and rehab approach isn't really working at this point because he's still running at uh, I venture 50 maybe 60 percent down the line uh, that there might have to be something more uh, more serious uh, to to fix what's wrong with him uh, whether that's surgery or, or something else and and that would seem to be you know if, if he hasn't made it back by now I don't know what it is that gets him ready to be back in this short, quick season. Are we in Jason Bay territory now? I mean, when you start thinking about all-time worst free agent signings by this franchise, uh, Jed Lowry's name is going to come up. You know, I it's hard for me to say, because I, I understand there's uh, a lot of fans upset. Like, what, what do you think is worse? Not contributing at all the way Lowry has contributed, or like being bad and having to play because they've paid you a lot? You know, like, would the Mets have been better off for some stretch of Jason Bay's contract uh, if he wasn't on them at all? Uh, or if he was hurt, you know? Um, because, like, with Lowry, I, I think it's... I hate when fans get on a guy just for being hurt. I don't think it's, like, a character flaw to be hurt. No, um, and but, I, but Lowry, I, get, I get the Lowry frustration. didn't run into the fence. Like, right. the you guy's know, get, just been hurt from day one, and the general manager who signed him should have had some inside knowledge, being that he was his agent for years prior. So how does that happen? It's There wasn't any moment where Jed Lowry got hurt, right? If, if he had been concussed or something had happened to him that you could understand, that's one thing, but it just seems so messy when you actually break down what the story is with Jed Lowry. Right, and I, I think the way to defend it if you're Brody Van Wagen in the Mets is that, uh, you know, when they signed him, he was coming off a good season, and he had been healthy for two years. I had covered Jed Lowry in Boston where he had had – some health issues, and that's one of the reasons the Red Sox got rid of him when they did mm-hmm. if, after the 2011 season. You know, it's, it's not like there was nothing in his track record of being hurt this way. There there was that history, uh, so it, that had to be factored in. That was probably why he was available for the price the Mets got him. Uh, I think when we're talking about, like, the worst contracts in Mets history, you bring up Bay, that was, what, 64, 66 million for four years? Um and really the last big contract they gave for an extended period of time uh, because of everything going on around the franchise at that time. You talk about Vince Coleman and like being bad on the field, being hurt a lot and embarrassing the franchise. The franchise. Yep. You know, Jed Lowry hasn't done that. And I, I don't think his contract is so big. It, it's probably prevented the Mets from doing a thing or two around the, the edges of their roster the last couple of years. Uh, but I don't think it's prevented them from making a, a major move the way that maybe Bays did uh, at the time back in 2010-2011. So Jed Lowry just under the radar enough <laughs> that he could have a two-year was a $20 million contract, have seven at-bats, eight plate appearances in that entire time, and not be... I think he's in the conversation because it is unique, but not be the guy. You know, I, I think there are probably franchises for whom he would be number one. 
but fortunately for him, <laughs> uh, the Mets still have still have Coleman out there that I think I think still takes the cake. Yeah. All right. So you have Lowry and then Robinson Cano is the other move that has been often criticized and uh, it's an awful trade uh, initially for Brody Van Wagenen and could look worse in the years. We all know about this, but Cano, I, it surprised me a little bit when we had baseball this past weekend and saw the bets of the Yankees going out of it. Cano is sitting there batting third in that lineup. I understand he's an accomplished player, but we talked, I asked you last podcast, is he fighting for his job as an everyday player? And to still see him at that point in the, the lineup, if they do it early in the year, I can't imagine it lasts long if he, his performance is similar to what we saw last year. I don't want to overreact to exhibition lineups. Uh, I, I want to be a sane person. Um, <laughs> but I do think if, if Robinson Cano is hitting third on Friday, uh, that's a mistake. Uh, and that's putting it politely, I think. Um, you know, it's, it's really difficult to make a case off of what you saw last year, off of the fact that this guy hasn't been here for, he missed a significant portion of a three-week training camp, uh, that your best lineup in a 60-game sprint where every game matters includes Robinson Cano hitting third. You know, he's, you know the, the best hitters in the Mets lineup are, in some order, Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo, Ioannis Cespedes, if he's healthy, uh, then maybe, you know, I, th- I think you can make a case for Cano as the fifth or sixth best hitter in the lineup. I don't know that you can make a case from anywhere above that. And for him to hit third, he's got to be at least your fourth best hitter in the lineup, something like that. Uh, so, I, you know, they want to get him at bats. Maybe that plays into it. Uh, Rojas's comments have certainly made it seem like there's a good, there's a chance he hits third on opening day. Uh, you know, saying that he's a guy who's going to hit in the middle of the order. Sixth is technically part of the four, five, six middle of the order. I think that's probably the highest I would put Cano if I were building out the lineup. Uh, so I, you know, I don't want to to criticize for a mistake that hasn't been made explicitly yet. But I do think if you know if they hit him third, the the hard part about a sixty game season is like how much do you need to see before you change things around. A lot of general managers will tell you, you know, you, you want to get to Memorial Day. You want to get 40 games into a season before you really start making snap judgments. Uh, but how, how many games do we need to go into the season if Robinson Cano's timing isn't quite there? Which would be totally understandable. He's missed time in training camp, uh, about three-week training camp. Uh, like, at what point do you say, you know what? Third was not the right spot for you. We're going to knock you down to, to fifth. We're going to knock you down to sixth or seventh. Uh, you know, it, does that happen within a week in a 60 game season or does it take the, the three or four weeks it would take in a, a regular, regular season? Well, well, look, Cano, he started the vast majority of the games he played last year batting third. Uh, he did bat sixth as a starter only twice and never uh, started a game below that point in the lineup. And, and I, I don't think this is necessarily getting on Luis Rojas. It's more about the impact that the front offices have now in terms of setting lineups and handling a lot of the day-to-day details they used to go to the managers and obviously a general manager that's got to make this trade work that's his big move the the first big uh, trade they're able to pull off obviously Brody has a relationship with Robinson Cano as well you just wonder if that plays into it more than just strictly looking at the performance and who's best now to be up in those key situations yeah like it's look managing the the tail end of a superstar's career is a delicate balance all the time whoever it is 
But you've got in Cano, you've got a guy who doesn't have that connection with the the Mets fan base. It's not like no. when I was in Boston, they're trying to manage Dustin Pedroia at the end of his career. Fans are going to give Dustin Pedroia a little bit more slack than Mets fans are going to give Robinson Cano. You've got a guy now. The general manager was his agent for a while, negotiated his big deal, uh, then staked his his the start of his GM career on the trade for him. So certainly is invested in that succeeding uh, to a large extent. Uh, and that makes it even harder for Rojas. And, and Cano is a guy who, uh, as Joel Sherman pointed out in the post uh, on Monday, uh, a guy who vouched for Rojas and has a, a pretty good relationship mm-hmm. with him. Uh, sure that's, that is a tough guy to move down in your order, to take out of your lineup if it comes to that. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard in any circumstances to do that, but it, I think it's as hard as it can be given the context in the organization with that player and with this 60-game sprint of a season. The heat index is in triple digits. You don't need any extra sweater, anything making you hotter here. So it's not just about the summer bod and showing it off. It's about survival sometimes. And it bears shed, right? Animals shed. You got to shed. You got to get rid of this stuff. Get rid of all the extra body hair. Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. They've forever changed the game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and tons of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months and for a limited time subscribers get two free gifts the shed travel bag a 39 dollars value added on and the patented high performance reduced shaping manscaped boxer briefs get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code theathletic20 at manscaped.com do yourself a favor always use the right tools for the job again manscaped.com code theathletic20 you know, Pete, I've got a nice fifth hammer saison waiting for after this episode. What am I going to do? Drink it out of a can like I'm in college? No. I'm going to drink it out of the barrel of a baseball bat turned into a 12-ounce mug, a dugout mug. It's licensed by Major League Baseball with your favorite team laser engraved onto a birch wood baseball bat barrel mug. It's a unique gift for a baseball fan just in time for opening day. Go to dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and use promo code MLB30 for 30% off your first purchase. That's dugoutmugs.com slash the athletic and code MLB30 to fill that baseball void with your very own dugout mug today. Elsewhere, Wilson Ramos is away from the team, a personal issue. Jacob deGrom is lined up for opening day now, according to Rojas. What kind of shape are the Mets in as we approach the opener? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, we talked about it last time when, when everything seemed fine with Ramos, that he's kind of underrated in his indispensability to the team because the drop-off from him to Tomas Nito or Rene Rivera is as large as it is for any other position player. So basically, uh, so, as soon as you said that, he was doomed anyway. Yeah, that, that, I'll take that. <laughs> that, was, that was my jinx. Uh, so, you That's know, I think that, uh, you know, this is a guy who's probably going to hit, what, sixth or seventh for your opening day. It doesn't seem like that Im- important or integral a cog to your lineup, but it, the lineup does get a, a bit uh, shallower if that's Nito or Rivera. And, you know, we, again, we don't know what it is with Ramos. He's missed three days at this point. 
Uh, we don't know if it's it, it's undisclosed reasons. Rojas said a personal matter, uh, so it, it might be COVID related. It might not, and uh, so it's it's hard to say exactly how long he would be out. He might be back for opening day at this point, but there's just a lot of uh, uncertainty about his status, uh, and in this season. Uh, more so than any other season. You would like to have as much certainty as possible going into opening day. Uncertainty for the Mets goes all the way to the top of the organization. Obviously, the sale's still ongoing. Uh, Kent Rosenthal, the big piece in the Athletic on Alex Rodriguez, his ownership group, and and what is really intriguing about it, joining Major League Baseball, what it could bring from a a marketing standpoint, from uh, having minority owners of a baseball team, a former player, and, and obviously Alex Rodriguez... He brings attention wherever he goes, and there's been like a story, a headline every day about A-Rod's ownership group, who's joining it, who's tweeting about it, who's getting involved. What would an A-Rod ownership and J-Lo ownership look like? I feel like it would be even more of a circus than, you know, the Wilpons pick the year. I mean, it's just everyone's going to descend on what's happening and the fine line that Alex Rodriguez would have to walk as far as the players go. And we saw that and talked a little bit about that last episode when he seemed very open-minded to the players taking on a salary cap. You know, Pete, I've never covered a sale of a major league franchise before. Uh, I don't recommend it. This, this this one seems uh, even more um, wild than the usual one because of the, the people you have involved in it, including Rodriguez. I remember when he was, you know, going through his, uh, suspension issues and, and suing the commissioner and filing grievances against the Yankees, mm-hmm. uh, joking with a, a Yankees beat reporter like, oh, this has got to be so tiring, right? You're doing this every day. He goes, oh, it's great, great content. Fills up, fills up the newspaper every day. Uh, and I feel like content. It's yeah. be content. <laughs> you need that as a beat reporter. Uh, it is, it's, it's an interesting dynamic because uh, you have Rodriguez and all of his baggage with Major League Baseball. Uh, and, and fellow owners, uh, but there is some merit to the the overall bid, especially when you consider Jennifer Lopez's aspect of it. That you know, this is a this is a serious bid for a marquee major league franchise that is not fronted by a white man. Twenty eight of the twenty nine other teams, uh, the other bids in this instance, are fronted by white men. This would be a control person who's a little bit different uh, in Alex Rodriguez. He would you know a lot of the money going into it would be from from his his fiance Jennifer Lopez. So there's there's some merit to that idea and you can see owners liking that idea especially at this time socially. Uh, but then you've got his whole history and, and baggage from from his playing days uh, and his attempted uh, rehabilitation of his image since then. Uh, it's yeah it's just weird. like I don't know how to weigh the various parts of you know Rodriguez's history, Steve Cohen's uh, insider trading um, his company being indicted for it, though he personally was not indicted for it, and, and the, the $1.8 billion fine. I don't know how owners weigh those two things against one another when judging two bids, if those bids are in the same ballpark. Well, the most important thing is they want the franchise to go for as much money as possible because that enhances the value of their own franchise. So typically that's what wins out. But yes, there are some other factors here which will be interesting uh, to see how it all plays out. Real quick, Tim, uh, predictions. We, we can hold these over each other's heads for the uh, entirety of this season, which won't be very long, as it turns out, uh, two months here. But describe the Mets season. How do you think this goes? Is this a, 
a division winner, a World Series winner, a uh, top draft pick kind of team. What are you looking at? You know, every year I think I pick the team I covered to win 84 games. So <laughs> I know I know it's weird. There's only six, 84 and minus 24 is what I know. Uh, you know, I think this is like the National League is fascinating for a lot of different reasons this season. Uh, you could probably say like four out of the top five or five out of the top six teams in the the sport probably reside in the American League going into the season. Uh, but then there's this huge middle class in the National League behind the Dodgers. Maybe you put the Braves second. Uh, but then you've got Washington and New York and St. Louis, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, Chicago, Arizona, San Diego. And like I, I think you look at various projections and those teams are all projected to win between like 30 and 32 and a half games. Um, so like you can see, you know, if I were trying to put a win total on the Mets, I would probably say like 32 or 33. Uh, so a bit above 500, but not like comfortably above 500, which is probably right around a playoff spot. Probably not the division uh, with Freddie Freeman back in Braves camp. I think Atlanta still looms as the most talented team in the division. Uh, but I think it, it definitely puts them in the running for a postseason uh, and certainly meaningful September action, which is is all you ever ask for as a Mets fan, right? That's true, I guess. That, that's that been the, the rallying cry for uh, almost the entirety of the 2010s. I, I will say, I think the coronavirus is going to be a key factor in this season, and, and nobody wants to see that be the case. But if we look at the one team sport that has come back in this country, MLS, that MLS is back tournament, you multiple teams just back out entirely of that tournament and had coronavirus go through their clubhouse. And I think that's something that how do you avoid it, especially with teams that are playing their home games in areas that are hot spots, whether it be now, August or September? I think it's going to be a key factor. And that's something that you hope or you would think being where New York is right now in all of this, that both the Mets and the Yankees should be in better positions than uh, other teams as far as that goes. I, I think that'll play a factor. And I'll tell you, having you on assessment is healthy. The scare with Jacob deGrom largely dissipating here. I like the Mets to win the division. I, I don't like them, though, in the playoffs, which is a change. I just don't think they have the pitching to move on in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's it's foolhardy to predict any anything really in in sports uh, well, but especially to, this year uh, like yeah, and, you and, have to play that into it though i think the, right the and virus is going to be a factor this season like it is weird to say something like well the mets they only have to go to atlanta once they only have to go, i think they only go to miami once they, they don't go to tampa like oh that, that's helpful they don't have to travel to the really infected areas right now and it's just that it's a very bizarre thing to factor that into your analysis of a no, baseball it sucks, season. But I don't, I don't want to try to guess which teams are going to get sick, but honestly, it's going to, it's going to happen. Like I, I, if we look at the league that did come back, the MLS, I mean, you saw this blitz through clubhouses. And I, I actually think when these teams are on the road, they'll largely be sequestered in the hotels and it'll probably be easier for the teams to, to handle that i think it's when the teams are at home and guys are kind of doing their own thing that you could have troublesome situations you could have guys exposed yeah and i'm interested in seeing kind of how strict guy how strict the rules are over the course of the season uh you know we've seen if you've watched the exhibition games over the weekend you clearly saw a couple high fives here and there you saw some spitting on the field like you know those habits are really, really hard to break, understandably. 
Uh, I don't know if guys can do that over the course of enough time, make that a habit in time uh, to, to stave this off for the full season. All right. Uh, so the Mets season starting up on Friday, and we'll have uh, an opening day podcast for you that morning. Appreciate it, Tim. Final preseason episode of the year, Pete. Adios. <laughs>